Welcome. This is Not Your Average Musician Podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez, and the galvanizing Dalton McLaughlin. What's up? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I'm doing great, um, but I'm trying to think of like how this word is used in a sentence. It's always a you know, if you're you're listening out there, you know that Isaac calls me a word that I kind of don't know what it means. Um, every time <laughs> by now, he he purposely opens up his thesaurus, and there's like words that I I know and I hear, and I feel like he's making me feel like a scrub in the <laughs> vocabulary word world, which I am not a scrub in the vocabulary word world. But just just you know, put yourself in the shoes of Dalton. Just imagine that you have. You have a friend slash um, work partner, and he just calls you a different word that has multiple syllables, <laughs> ten to fifteen letters, and you're just like, "Why? Why is he calling me this?" So it's why? Too, why it's am too I, early in the morning for Dalton to be dealing with this. And why am I? Why this am word? I, the, I was like, "Oh, this is the one for for today." <laughs> why am I the ga- galvanizing? Yeah, galvanizing, Dalton McLaughlin. What? I'm, you know, I'm not even gonna ask you to put it in a sentence. What is oh, this? Come mean? on, I came prepared, bro. The one okay, I have sorry, a what? sentence. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Can you please use this in a sentence? Yes, of course. He he galvanized the crowd into action. Oh, that's a good one, right? Because last time I looked like a damn scrub, not mm. being able to use my own damn words. So I'm bringing people into war. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but more of like a work war, and a work war is in like a positive work war, not a bad work war. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of things done. Yeah, it's like you're stirring people. You you know you're shocking. You're like urging, motivating. You know it could be any of those. And yes, that's I'm what gonna I say do. here that Dalton galvanized himself into action this morning because I'm in New York time, bro, and it's 11 in the morning on Sunday, which is like doable. Dalton got his ass up at eight in the morning to record this podcast today like can we get a hand out there for his his dedication i think i logged on pod. for a recording at seven in the morning once i don't remember when i'm sure it was more towards the beginning where we were like way more pumped up about the podcast hey, I'm, I'm so pumped up and no, i'm incredible. pumped up too but now it's it's a routine it's part of our regular lives before it was like it was very exciting and you like, yo, the pod, bro, the pod. And now it's just like, all right, let's do the pod, you know, and the, on Sunday, you know, and you're I, like, yeah. I still drink my Red Bull. I get hyped. Oh, I, got, I went, Sunday is my 7-Eleven coffee day. I'm a very big fan of cheap coffee. So that's oh, my, my little, why? yeah. Um, because I'm Mexican? No, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. <laughs> Is I there, love watching there... Dalton cringe on my off-color jokes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh wait, what? Like, uh, is there is there a yeah? What what's the best cheap coffee out there? For me, bro, yeah. I I've really taken to the Long Island culture, and it's gonna be Seven Eleven here. Like I wherever I go on the island, I need a Seven Eleven in the radius of three miles. Otherwise, I st- we start freaking out. Oh, I said we. Well, technically, I'm not from Long Island. I'm from Brooklyn, but I love it out here. And 7-Elevens everywhere. People in the city sleep on 7-Elevens. They don't know. I didn't know. I've become I've I become thought people accustomed. were, were in, in the East are all about Dunkin' Donut coffee. Is that, Some is that people true? are. So, yeah, the trashy people. <laughs> oh, 
no, I don't know. I, most what people, it, I would I say. I can't wait for Dunkin' Donuts to sponsor the podcast. Oh, I can't, bro. Back. I can't do it. No, it would be betraying everything I've come to love. Would you rather have a Dunkin' Donuts sponsorship rather... or a Guitar Center? Fuck. You know, oh, that's a great subway. I just bought something from Guitar Center. If you could believe that, I actually swallowed that pill. Um, Good this for you. Keyboard, it's, it's just it, a store, bro. Yeah, I know, but I, I really hate it. Because if you think about it, listen, I'm not like anti-capitalist or anything. I'm not trying to go on that rant right now. You just pumped up 7-Eleven, bro. How can you be <laughs> anti-capitalist? I'm not. Right? That's what I'm saying. Listen, hear me out. Hear me out for okay. one second. Okay. Get to, like there were, there were, you know, like local, I really like local music shops, especially like out mm-hmm. here. I've come to know like some, and then there are, there are some that like Guitar Center, like destroy that. You know, like mm-hmm. there are very few. There was one in Brooklyn that I went to that I can't remember the name, but I loved it. It was local. They sold boutique guitars. They're really helpful. They'll try to stuff out. It's a really great music store. And, and you know, like Guitar Center and Semesh, all these chains, I get it's convenient. I get it. But it's, it's like, you know, it really, I don't know. It's like a double-edged sword, man. Because, you know, like I was able to buy this. I bought this used keyboard here. And the only reason I bought it is because Guitar Center offered, like I was able to buy a warranty because it's a used gear. So I was like literally flipping a coin. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work out, you know? And if it's not, I need to be able to get my money back. And they had this warranty thing in place. And that's that's why I got it. Otherwise, I would have bought it from like Sweetwater, but it would have been like 200 bucks more. So I had a choice, you know, and I made it. And You swore, or you became the very <laughs> thing you swore to destroy, Isaac. <laughs> yeah yeah so now um yeah i'm a piece of garbage now um a hypocrite so people shouldn't listen to me anymore well you're you're drinking 7-eleven coffee so i'm here standing with my guitar center product <laughs> oh god um anyway. yeah well anyways that that that's probably enough of that shenanigans um <laughs> Obviously, you're listening to the Not Your Average Musician podcast, which is available on all platforms. Um, And obviously, you know what you got to do, which is smash that like and subscribe button and share it with all your friends and help us grow the podcast. So we do get that 7-Eleven coffee sponsor at the beginning one day. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yeah, I know, right? Oof. You could get free coffee, bro. Oh my, How cool bro, that I'm be? like really excited for no reason because that would never happen. But let me, I'm going to dream as you continue. Not yet. This. Not yet, bro. Right. Not yet. Shoot um, the stars. But yeah, and today is super cool. Uh, we have a fun guest as always, Kate Warren. She plays French horn. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as you guys know, uh, part of the mission of the podcast is giving you guys, the listeners, a diverse uh, guest lists and so you're not just listening to uh, people talk about power chords all the time because there's a lot more to music than that so Shit, i get bored and we had like <laughs> just after like dude how okay that's what remember the first iteration of the podcast where i had it was i'm not even gonna say the old name because it was horrible but um it was it was gonna be all about guitars and by like the third episode i bored myself and i was like oh i yeah. can't do this yeah, so I, we changed, we, I revamped, <laughs> and then I was like, one, okay, it can't be about guitar, two, I need a co-host, enter Dalton, because I was like, I can't talk to 
the screen by myself all day. I'm going to, I'm going to. That's rough. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. And I only did like four. Mind you, we're coming up on like 41 guests, which uh, with KK Warren, I believe she's our 41st guest. So it's really cool. Really cool. We're, we're making strides. And thank you everybody so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time. If you'd like to support us, as Dalton said, smash the buttons on the interwebs. But without further delay, let's bring Kate on. And now welcome Kate Warren to the podcast. How's it going today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you for taking the time and, you know, giving us the opportunity to talk to you, talk about your career and all that stuff. So why don't we dive right into it and just tell our listeners, you know, who you are and, you know, kind of what you're about. Well, I'm Kate Warren from katewarrenmusic.com on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, all the jazz. I'm a freelance French horn player. I've toured with the Dallas Brass. I've held a couple positions in regional orchestras around North Central Florida. But I guess what makes me a not so average musician as the podcast tropes is that I have my fingers in a lot of different pots. I do a lot of other things on top of being a French horn player every which way. One of those things is I'm very involved in the pageantry arts. And I mean like DCI, Drum Corps International, marching bands, indoor color guard, indoor drums, all that stuff. Uh, I teach for the Blue Stars. I teach brass for them. I also teach visual with the Academy Drum and Bugle Corps. I've previously worked with Carolina Crown, Ancient City Percussion, and a myriad of high school band programs. I'm adding a college band program in my, my roster in the fall, which I'm really excited about. That's a new, that's going to be a new experience for me. I did a little bit of college marching band, but not much. So working on the other side of that is, I think that'll be fun. <laughs> on top of that, I'm, I'm very prepared. I knew this question was coming. <laughs> <laughs> on top of that, I'm also a researcher and lecturer on gender parity in the music world a whole, but mostly specifically to my research towards brass playing, looking at where we do and don't see female brass players and why. Right now, I'm in the research stage about looking at why we don't see women in academia teaching brass and how the women that are currently in positions at colleges, universities, and conservatories are largely the first women to work in those institutions. So that's where I am. That's what I'm doing. Cool, Love cool. It. Look at that. She, she's done her research. I think you're the first person to throw a, a joke about the, the name. So you can take that with you. That's pretty, uh, pretty funny, pretty awesome. You're like, <laughs> I'm not an average musician. I'm like, oh, snap. She knows what's up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't think there are average musicians anymore. Everybody, you have to carve your own path, especially like after the past year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, something, something that we like asking people because of the, I would say the, the unknown of a musical career is what motivates you in particular to get to where you have been and where you want to go. I think I am the exception to the rule on this one. I love practicing. No, nobody loves, I love practicing. I love sitting in the practice room and getting better at something. And at the end being like, man, I got better at this. Or like doing something for a whole life and be like, I got better at this. Like that part to me is so much more enjoyable than play the concert or show up for the gig. So I guess, I guess to me, working is, is the, 
is the work part. The, the time in the practice room is what keeps me going. It's like, oh, I get to practice today. I get to get better. So you're really enjoying that, like the work is its own reward kind of thing? I guess. to music, yeah. Because I think a lot of our guests, myself included, I'm not going to lie. I don't hate practicing, but I don't think I could say that I love it. Um, or at least not with the enthusiasm that you said that you just said it. You know, it's more like a means to an end or, you know, to get to where I want to go. So that that's super interesting. Has that always been the case for you? It has been. Uh, a lot of what I've done the past year is working on how to improve my own practice, how to practice better. Mm. But even like when I was in sixth grade, my goal was like, I got to practice two hours a day. I'm going to practice before I go on the bus in the morning and when I get home from school. And I would practice before I even did my homework when I came home from school. Like, that was it for me. It was like, I get, I get to do French horn. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you, well, since we're on the practice uh, subject, can I'm, you- I'm jealous, by the way. <laughs> as, as you're, you're asking that, I'm just like, I mean, I guess guitar, it's fun. And, you know, but like, as far as somebody who's just like, yeah, I can't wait to go practice my horn excerpts. Like, I, I will say with the caveat, as wonderful as that is for me, I think it was really horrible for my family growing up. <laughs> yes, yes, I can. I can relate to that. My poor mom and sister had to listen to hours of me just not sounding very like the beginnings of it, just not very good, you know. Um, but how, you're talking about efficient practice. Can you speak a little bit some of the things that you made me come up with or walked away with? Because there is that, you know, I think earlier on or when I was younger, like, oh, you got to practice three, four five hours. And, you know, sometimes we get really intense and I've questioned, you know, the intensity versus like efficiency, you know, this is more better or, you know, can you speak a little bit about that? I, I can absolutely. <laughs> my, my, I don't know how much either of you follow me on Instagram is my big platform, mm -hmm. but right now I'm focusing a lot of my educational content on how to get high schoolers practicing better, more efficiently, with better practice techniques. So like, especially focusing on like, like I'm an adult, I'm a, I'm a full, full grown musician. No one's ever a full grown musician, but I've had, I've had 10, 15 years to learn how to practice, but getting information to young people on like, Hey, yeah. So like, here's your band music and don't just play through it eight times. Like, that's not how you practice this. Um, how, how do you pick your own repertoire? If you don't have a teacher, how do you get better? Uh, how do you how do you listen to recordings of yourself? What are you listening for? Things like that to, I guess, help not just young people, but anybody who wants to practice to be be their own teacher and create a practice environment that's conducive to efficient, swift growth, if that makes sense. That makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, and I, I love my high school kids, but we talk about how to practice all the time because i feel like that age is so guilty of just going from left to right from beginning to end and like all right i practice i'm like uh you just played through the piece twice like are you sure that you actually practiced and they sometimes how are you gonna know how to practice spot. if no one ever tells you how to practice <laughs> that's a very good point 100 super super good yeah and and since you brought your social media up can you can you tell us a little bit about, especially in the last year, how that's played, you know, into your set of skills and, you know, part of your, I don't know, musical life and all of that stuff? So for me, I, I actually, I am, I'm not a technology wizard. I am, I'm historically really bad with hopping on a new trend. 
I didn't even make an Instagram until like 2019. My friends were like, Kate, how do you not have this? You, you have to do it. And I finally caved. And a couple months later, I was like, well, if I'm doing this, I'm going all in. And I made, I made my music account. It was my new year's resolution for 2020 actually. So it was very quick transition into pandemic time, internet experience. But for me, it, especially after I left New York, it became my tether to the musical world, uh, being like locked inside in a state that I haven't lived where none of my friends are. It just became this connection that I had to anyone and everyone in the musical world. And as terrifying as the idea of stare at your phone all day and talk to your friends is, it kept me going. It was like, oh, my friends are practicing. Oh, my friends are getting better. Man, so-and-so sounds great. Oh, oh, like they're doing this buzzing thing. I can do this buzzing thing. So it not only helped motivate me and helped kept me going, but it also helped me like feel connected to society and feel like I wasn't alone in a pandemic locked in a house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a balance that, that we can try to strike with uh, social media and because it could go one way or the other where you're like, you know, like you said, oh, I didn't make anything until a few years ago or you're like just on your phone all day and i can say for for example for dalton and i i think especially in the last year with the podcast it's been like making like actual like oh we're meeting musicians all over the world that we would have like no contact with that we it just wouldn't happen and then we keep in touch like on social media you know all our guests and then some of their fans and their friends and it's like oh it's actual like you can actually have like a little community online and it's you know meaningful and friendly and you know, I have made so many connections with people who are like vital to my personal life now that I never would have known before people, especially people not where I live that are now, you know, huge advocates for me. They're like giving me work, but they're hyping me up. We talk, we throw each ideas back and forth. They're, they're integral to my life that I wouldn't have even met without the Internet. Man, 21st century. The internet, it, it comes Thanks, to so Al many. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many silver linings. It can be so good and so, uh, so intense at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking about the internet. But yes, Al Gore, thank you. Um, but, but something that you actually were talking about at the beginning that I want to hear about is you are pumping up brass players for all the ladies out there. Um, which is super cool. Uh, I want you to talk about your seminars that you've been doing and how you're making brass cool for the underrepresented part of the brass world. Brass has always been cool in the underrepresented communities. It's it's letting the overrepresented communities know that we are cool and we're here and we want to be cool with you too. So I I have a three-stage research project right now. And the first stage is what you're referring to, which resulted in the workshop aptly named Female Brass Players Don't Exist. And I, I gave a small lecture tour about it, and it, it was designed to be very provocative and received a lot of, this was provocative and I'm upset feedback. A lot of angry old men pretending that gender parity is a myth, which is unfortunate, but there was great response from especially older 
women in brass, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to get a lot of young women interested and involved, but there were a lot of, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this is older, but like the fifties, fifties and sixties women being like, Oh yeah, this is, this is awesome. Thank you for talking about this. Thank you for bringing this up because for them as integral as being a woman is in my career and my life for them, they were the only one in the room 99% of the time. Mm. And they didn't have that extra space that I get as the third generation of female brass players to be like, Hey, this is wrong. Stop this. No. Yeah, that's awesome. And it reminds me of some of the conversations that we've had with Dalton on the podcast and not necessarily to as specific as, as your work, but we talk about this, like, um, the older generation of collegiate, you know, that's, that's being phased out, you know, because we interview a lot of like, you know, musicians our age, you know, like kind of the new, the new school and they're getting into college education and all those things. And, you know, they're, everybody's kind of trying to affect change in their own, you know, to include more minorities, to like reshape what education looks like, to make it more inclusive, more diverse. And what kind of, what kind of results are, I know you're talking about, you know, expanding more brass music for women, but what kind of, like, what do you see, where do you see this going in like five, 10 years? Like what would be your goal in this, in this area for you? For, for me and my research or for mm -hmm. female brass players as a community? For, for both. So I, I spoke that my research is in three phases. So the first phase is, hey, women brass players don't actually function in the way you think they do. Female brass players don't exist. Phase two, which I'm researching right now, and I'm doing a lecture tour in mid late summer on is female brass players in academia, why there are no teachers there who didn't have female teachers who are the first and all that stuff. And phase three is turning that into gender diversity training, bringing that to orchestras and ensembles and communities and universities and being like, hey, for all the people in the room who aren't going to search out this information, who aren't going to go to a talk that tells them women don't exist, who aren't going to look up the research, who aren't going to do the work themselves, but bringing it into the room for them to essentially be force fed. Hey, here, here's what's happening in the same way that, you know, a corporate office might have required diversity training, mm -hmm. bringing a required diversity training on gender, on race, on anything into orchestras, universities, communities, et cetera, mm -hmm. to get that information to those mm -hmm. people in those communities. Cool. Nice. Female brass players as a whole. Yeah. I think a lot of it, especially from a personal level for me is, hey, like you're not alone. Other people feel this way too. I feel this way. You feel this way. The other, one of the lectures I gave had 75 people and there were like eight men in there because I go through and I count the roster. I want to see who's coming to these lectures. It's like, okay, so there are 68 other women who feel the same way as you at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. Yeah. Like yeah, letting women and female brass players, women brass players, sorry, have the knowledge that they are not alone in their experience and that other people are there and want to work with them, want to stand with them and hear their complaints, their problems, anything. Gosh. Sure. And, and something I always feel that is, I don't know, silly is the right word, but like, does, does like the music like judge us or do it the instruments like 
judge us like who we are does it just want us to play it and be like the best version of ourselves like i always feel like it's it's so interesting when people are talking about you know like who's included like who are the big quote-unquote like stars in certain worlds i'm just like we have an object and like we are people and it's a tool of expression i'm like so as long as you're you shed uh, i was gonna say shed i meant to say shred guitarist term as long as you shred like i mean i feel like it doesn't it does matter but i'm like just just let let that let that thingy in your hand like do the talking and when you can sound good people are like i'm gonna listen to you because you shred hands my french horn is probably complaining more about out of tune and missed notes than about who's playing it (laughs) man kate i don't care who you are but like maybe play the right notes this time (laughs) yes would you what would you tell a younger kate about pursuing pursuing music just do it it's great (laughs) you're gonna have a fabulous time yes any words of advice to like look out for anything or warnings anything like that in that area be more adventurous Mm. i'm a very play it safe kind of girl Mm -hmm. so i think for younger kate she figured out a lot of things on her own like practicing you're gonna figure it out eventually playing french horn you're gonna figure it out eventually do the things that you're like ah that's kind of scary and i don't think i can do this right uh, don't be afraid to not do something 100 percent or get it perfect you, it's okay to fail it's okay to fall upwards just mm-hmm. do it can you can you think of something specific that has been a growing experience for you like that where you maybe weren't too sure that you could do it but you went for it anyway don't tell any of my students this. So if you're if you're a drum corps student of mine, turn the podcast off right now. <laughs> Teaching in drum corps, um, a lot of the reason why I got into the educational side of things after I, I marched four years myself. So I spent a large portion of my life at that point. It was probably like 25 percent of my musical career doing professional marching band in the summer. And transitioning into the educational side of things felt like falling upwards. It felt like falling on my face and failing and failing and failing and then failing some more. I never, I still don't always feel like I'm doing it the right way or doing the right thing, but you know, I'm doing the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm making a difference in people's lives. People, young girls are coming up and being like, oh, wow. Like, there's a girl on the staff because when I marched, there weren't girls on the staff. Mm. There weren't any girls. I think in four years I had three female educators. Wow. So even if, even if I'm failing, even if I'm falling upwards, I'm making a difference to somebody and that's, what's important. I love that. Very very meaningful. I'm also going to steal falling upwards from you. I'll, I'll quote you say Kate Warren taught me to fall upwards. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I just love it. Cause you're like, wait, falling upwards. Does that even exist? You're like, not really. But if you think about it, it's pretty cool. Um, so hopefully I don't know if I'm going to have to give you uh, money for stealing your term falling upwards, but I have officially stolen it and I'll share it with the world. Give you credit. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so co- completely on a side note, um, horn, you guys get to play a lot of orchestral things. And I'm curious if you have like a favorite symphony that you have ever played in the horn world. Maybe like, I mean, I always think of like the big ones, like the, 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 
the ones where like a horn player could be loud, like Mahler, but maybe there's like a, a secret symphony. And you're like, this is my favorite. Here's why. If we're only sticking to music that I have performed, which narrows the narrows the pool quite a bit, and I think makes this a more reasonable question because all music in the world, ah, uh, man, I don't know music. I think I'm Heldenleben, mainly just because part of it was I was playing with a section that I really enjoyed both playing with and also just knowing and being friends with, but also like. It's, it's big, but it's also beautiful. You have those moments where you're like, and you're, you're pounding out all the three Fs, loud, high lows. But then it also has the soft, beautiful, melancholy, mellow, gorgeous horn tone that everybody loves. Best of both worlds. Who, and who, who composed that one? Not, not Strauss. Uh-oh, I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, smitten by You're going to uh, get the, some big flack from brass or, players for that or one. <laughs> the orchestral gods. Yeah, I mean I jeez, I mean Isaac and I try playing guitar. Um I understand. Symphonies, but I, I just always like them and I feel like I should know more of them, but yeah, you're right. I'm going to get smitten by Strauss himself. He's going to come from the heavens and whack me. Um, I think any any Strauss is a good pick for from a horn player's perspective. He wrote some awesome French horn parts. For sure. Oh, so something else too um, in the horn world that I always like asking horn players, and I'm curious when when you guys have the bell on your horn, and sometimes the bell can screw off, right, and it makes it yep. like a thousand times more portable. Um, yeah. That is an accurate so, percentage. Um, yay. I'm like, yes, I, I know my horn, but I'm curious, like, is there, is there a benefit for horn players when, I mean, other than portability, when the, when you can screw the bell off, like, does it affect the, the sound in horns? Is that, is that a thing or am I overthinking it from a non-horn player? I'm sure there are people out there who will tell you if you cut the bell, it'll sound different just like there are people who will tell you if you strip the lacquer from your horn, it'll sound different. I'm sure it does. I'm sure if you got a tool out and measured very specific things, you'd get there. If you played me the same French horn with a cut bell and a non-cut bell from across the room, I couldn't tell you the difference. I don't know anyone who could. Maybe the perk there is that if you don't like your bell, then you can get a new one. That is true. people do that. I think I've seen people in the past that have a, a bell that doesn't match the horn. Um, Cause I, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm like think, thinking back into talking to horn players in the past where like, it isn't like the, not the shape, but isn't like the, the sizing for horns. Aren't they all the same or there, there's not like different sized horns or are there like maybe uh, like a, li- a little externally? No, internally. Yes. Right, because there's been different systems with the, uh, mm-hmm. the um, oh man, I'm on the spot right now. Isaac, Isaac's laughing in his mind. He's like, Dalton's thinking so hard about the horn. Um, there's the different things with the, uh, the it's the the B flat trigger, right? Isn't that the? Y- yes. Yes. See, see, Isaac, I, I got I'm, it. I am impressed, but I'm having fun as well. Go on, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, it isn't the thing with the the triggers like it, it hasn't always been the same on horn, right? With the... No, so you you have we have a lot of different types of French horns. 
obviously we started without valves. So you've got your natural mm-hmm. horn, which is just like a curly cue, like the, the male horn emoji. Like there are no valves, mm-hmm. just kind of a circle with a bell and a mouthpiece. And then we got valves. We got rotary valves. Oh, we got piston valves first. But for this conversation, we got rotary valves and you have your single F horn. They picked F because it was a, I think it had the most resonance or the best color. And then the second best is B flat, which is why our second, then you get double horn, two sets of slides, B flat slides, F slides. You get both of those. If you're you're really interested, you get a triple horn, three sets, high F, high E flat. That's just too heavy for me, man. I'm not trying to hold a 30 pound instrument in front of me. That sounds like the equivalent of having like an eight string guitar. And it's just kind of (laughs) plenty of people have them. And like, I I understand makes the high stuff easier. Mm -hmm. They're just so heavy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess it becomes a matter of like, uh, practicality at that point. And just like, how many am I really do? Is this? How often (laughs) do I use this that that it's worth carrying this around all day? Yeah, exactly. Kate, let me ask you about some non-music skills that you feel musicians should have or that some that you've picked up that have helped you and you're like, okay, musicians should know this. Hmm. What should musicians know not about music? (laughs) I mean, first, you got to be a good person. You just have to be, you have to be nice to people. Not even, not even from a, like, you should network and get gigs and be nice to people at work. Just as like a humanity, be a good person in life thing. <laughs> Everybody should be nice to people. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like networking, like you're always on, you got to network and it's got like a bad rap of kind of like you being maybe fake or you're only talking to people to like benefit yourself in some kind of way or like you have an agenda, but I like the way you're saying it. Just like be a good human. And you, you, you know, I've come across those musicians that are like, you know, they're just really nice, really pleasant to work with. And it's just, yeah, it's just a blast. Like every time we have to do a gig together, I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, you get to work with, they become friends, I feel like over time, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one. And I want to go back a little bit, not to put you on the spot with this kind of stuff, but something we're starting incorporating more, more on the podcast is about, <clears throat> excuse me, about failure. And like, what do you feel like? I feel like especially, yeah, I feel like especially younger musicians are like really scared, you know, like of of failing. And I think the older I get, I tell my students all the time, it's like, you know, it's going to happen, but it's really on just how you look at it. Um, Can you maybe speak to to that a little bit about failure and the kind of role that it's played in your career or just life in general? I'm not sure if I could say I'm a big fan of, Mm. but I definitely have a lot of experience with failing and failing often. Mm. I feel like, especially this past year, I've done a lot of apply for anything and everything, uh, even if I don't feel like I'm qualified for it, even if I would be scared to do it if I got it, even if I'm not sure, apply for it, do it, do the thing. And I've gotten a lot of no's, mm-hmm. a lot of no's, mm-hmm. but without getting the no, you can't get the yes. Mm. Like with with any opportunity to do something comes the opportunity for failure. So if you're so averse to failure and you don't, you don't want to lose at something, you take away your opportunity to win at something. Boom. That's the one. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then, and then I can steal your quote and say, you can fall upwards. Yes, you can. 
Yes. And then boom, check, check in the mail. (laughs) Thank you so much, uh, Kate, for taking the time uh, to talk to us. You, you dropped a lot of bombs of knowledge as uh, Dalton likes to say, just uh, left and right for anyone that wants to get in touch with you. um, Where could they find you? KateWarrenMusic.com, KateWarrenMusic at gmail.com, at KateWarrenMusic. <laughs> if, if it says KateWarrenMusic, it's probably mine. Gotcha. If it's not, let me know. Yeah, you got to come after Uh-oh. them. <laughs> got to get rid of the, the posers. And- if, if it's not, I'm really confused about who thinks pretending to be me is beneficial. <laughs> and so- also on, on the note of, of um, dropping... Kate Warren, which is, I guess, very, very easy to find. Is there anything up and coming that's new that you want to say like, hey, I'm doing this, check it out, coming soon to a theater near you? Well, I just released my my master's recital. So if you want to stream that, it's on YouTube. Kate Warren Music on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Warren Music across easy, the board. Easy branding. They're all the same. Nothing that's is different. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I am working on... I guess this is a good time to let people know I'm doing this. I'm writing a technique book. So like warm-ups, fundamental exercises, and methodology on practicing, which I'm hoping to come out with at some point over the summer. So that is in progress, you could Great. say. Yeah, would be on the lookout for that. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll pump it up for sure. So, you know, when the, time, when the time comes, we look forward to it. Well, thanks again, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And that was Kate Warren, everybody. What a cool, cool musician. Not average indeed, man. She's got her hands in so many things. I love that she dropped that into it. I was like, oh, that's a first. Yeah, um, I know. It was, it was funny too. I'm just yeah. like, oh, she's like, well, I'm not an average musician. Yeah. Like, oh, snap. She knows what's up. Yeah, she knows. And like, I like that she said, you know, like it's rare the musician that's like average because professionally speaking like you gotta you gotta carve out your own your own path you know everybody's got to do their own thing you gotta see what works for you what you like and uh, yeah on but on that no i think for like just like the for like the the person out there that's not familiar with the music scene like i feel Mm -hmm. like they think that musicians are average people they don't realize so that's what i think uh like we know and of course other people that do music now are like we're not average but like you know when you when you talk to like uh like i was hanging out with people on friday and of course like i'm just the i'm the guy who like plays guitar like with like my non-musician friends and they're just like play that song play that song and i can because you know i just have bonded with the guitar a lot over the years but like i feel like they they don't get it Mm -hmm. you know as far as with like the amount of work to to not be an average musician they're just like oh all the music people they just practice for 10 minutes and a day and that's all they do yeah that's it i'm like yeah. we're we are complicated sophisticated people we are not <laughs> average we are yeah. cool this takes a lot of work so i feel like the name pertains more to the non-music side yeah people because obviously we're not average musicians nor are the guests um yeah you know that's a great great point to to put yourself in the in the listeners or the audience perspective where like they perceive musicians as like oh musicians is like all kind of 
similar or the same. And yeah, you're right. We know, but maybe people don't know. And I've had that. I had a very strange conversation one time with a student's uh, mom. And, and I remember I was taking lessons from somebody at the time and I forget. And I was just, I just brought up, oh, like now I have to go take my lesson, you know, because I thought it was kind of funny. Like I give your kid a lesson and I'm going to take my lesson. She was like, why are you going to take lessons? Like, don't you like already know how to play? And I was like, yeah, but I want to get better. And then she was like, what? And then she you were like, well, yeah, I got, you know, like, you just never stop learning. Right. And then she was like, I thought you just, once you know how to play, you just know how to play. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, very like, yeah. oh, I guess this is how like the reg regular people <laughs> perceive oh my God. Uh, skills or things or, you know, and not, not to like, you know, get on my high horse or anything like that. But I was, I was honestly surprised can, by that response. Can I make a really, really bad Dalton joke? Oh God, here we go. It, it's like in the, the, the new show on Star Wars, The Bad Batch. It's like, oh, they're regs. The regs. Like, <laughs> That's like what we call non-musician people, the regs. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, sorry, I had to make that, that connection, but you're out. Yeah, as you're saying, they're just like, oh, they're just a reg. They're yeah. just a musician. They're like, no, we're, we're the Bad Batch, yo. Yeah, the <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, so cringy. But here we are. Hey, um, you make me cringe. I make you cringe. It's a two-way street. It's on, that's, bro. That is true. I make you cringe with my inappropriate language and jokes. And and, and then the words, the word of the day, those make me. Yeah, that's I not mean, fair. I, I, yeah, so so I got to put you on the spot. I can, fair enough. I got to think of something. Yeah, cringy jokes. All right. All right. No, I, I get it. But it was... um. It was definitely interesting conversation, and and I think uh, musicians are are always we always have practice in mind and approaches and things like that. But I really like I think she's the first one to have brought it up to the front or like right in the center, where it's like you gotta practice how to practice. You gotta get good at practicing, and it made me think of like then practice is like a skill in it, in it of itself. You know, it's it's you know like getting kind of meta about it. But they're like really, yeah, you could, you could spend like three hours kind of like doing nothing or like very inefficient practice where like you could spend one hour, you know, being super efficient and maybe, maybe you'd better off just like with really one focused hour rather than three low quality. You gotta, you gotta find the love and the practice just like she does. So yeah, yeah, very, very important and obviously important to share not your average musician podcast with everybody we love everybody out there who is listening and hearing the shenanigans that isaac and i talk about uh all, all those cringe moments hopefully you get some comedic joy out of them something. um or something yeah. but um yeah um we love everyone out there and you obviously are liking subscribing leave a review on apple podcasts um send Smash. us a dm smash and like smash the subscribe button like that uh, if there's something you want us to talk about send us a message and you can get a shout out feature on teaching tuesday or boom something of that nature and mm -hmm. I, I think that's it i think uh I, i'm ranting a lot today so you can pull us in that's uh, all good Sir we had a lot Sir of Isaac caffeine this morning <laughs> i call you <laughs> sound like a magical creature isaac the wise I'm not yes. wise at all. I think it's a sarcastic uh, name. Is it? <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. 
Later. Later.